No Guts, No Galaxy is recorded in front of a live studio audience. This is an adult podcast containing adult language. Consider yourself warned. It is a matter of history that as a young McPilot, he won the Solaris Grand Championship using only an urban mech and a t-shirt launching gun. It is said that he wears a beard in order to hide a hideous scar, either that or a small gauss rifle. He once told a clanner to go f*** himself, and that clanner proceeded to do so, vigorously. He is the most interesting man in the inner sphere. I don't always drink beer, but when I do, I prefer the taste of Dos Mekis. Stay systems nominal, my friends. Hello again, mech fans. Duncan Fisher here. And today, I want to talk to you about something that means a lot to me. Mech jocks are special people, and they have an even more special tie to their mechs. Nothing tugs at this announcer's heartstrings more severely than when a talented, up-and-coming pilot suffers a brutal loss in the arena and becomes one of the dispossessed. Dispossession is a rising problem across the inner sphere. That's why I and others of a like heart and mind have banded together to do something about it. Mechs for Jocks is a non-profit organization that strives to help the dispossessed get back on their feet and one day back into a cockpit. Your charitable donations of C-bills, mech parts, and chassis will help ensure the success of our venture and keep the mech action on Solera 7 from going the way of the rubber tire. With your, probably, tax-deductible donations of 1,000 C-bills or more, you will receive a signed copy of my autobiography, The Gilded Microphone, Duncan Fisher's Rebirth as the Voice of Solera 7, shipped to your location across the inner sphere. So help out a great cause, throw some money at mechs for jocks, and help us take a bite out of the dispossessed population. This has been the Duncan Fisher Minute. Donations to mechs for jocks are tax-deductible, except in the Draconis Combine, Capellan Confederation, Duchy of Oriente, and Magistracy of Cannabis. All other donations receive receipt of charitable donation. Mechs for jocks not responsible for making sure donations actually get used as intended. You're listening to the Gamecasting Broadcast Network. Live from the outreach studios around the world, this is a No Guts, No Galaxy podcast. And now, your host, Phil, a.k.a. Sean Lang. Welcome to the No Guts, No Galaxy podcast number 87. My name is Phil, and I'm your host. It is August 28, 2013. My shout-out, it's going to go to actually Angry Joe and Total Biscuit. It was awesome, and uh, combined so far, there are over like 130,000 views the, you know, for their YouTube content. And I just want to say it was a pleasure, and I can literally check off my bucket list. I got to play with Angry Joe, so I was like, oh my god, it's awesome. Darren? 
Cool. Yeah, Angry Joe was not very angry. He sounded like Happy Joe, but sometimes he is. Anyway, this is Darren, a.k.a. Bombadil. My shout-out today goes to, number one, Garth, for organizing the Sarah's Jenner party. We had an awesome time. Uh, here's a picture of the crew that showed up. We had at, at peak about 55 people there. Tons of Sarah Jenners, and uh, we just had a good time playing with each other. And, ooh, there's a sound clip for somebody. My next shout-out goes to Mech Warrior Casual. Uh, they're over at MWOCasual.com. They are a new MWO resource and community for the casual player. Uh, I, just, I like what they're doing. There's not a ton there, but uh, I like the direction they're going and uh, the spirit in which it's being done. So check it out if you get the chance. And Brandon? Oh, you know, just MechSpecs, MWOG, and our MWO. <laughs> Greg, who you got? I want to give a shout-out to Keith Malley, Henda Khalili, and Danny the Hatch Hatch, the crew over at Keith and the Girl. I literally just got in the door from a meetup with them. They were driving down to judge a uh, comedy show here in Philadelphia. So go check out their podcast, KATG.com, if you haven't. It's really quality. Sweet. And George? Hello, my friends. I would like to give a shout-out to Chris Adams, who did an awesome, awesome graphic for me, uh, making the Dos Mechis label and making a complete fool of me. But it was awesome, and I wanted to thank him on the show. Thanks. Hell yeah. Dude, I saw that on our uh, forums and our internal, and I was like, oh my god, yes, this is awesome. Chris, that was amazing. And George. Kudos to Chris for doing that, and that's that's kind of stuff. Like I, I go to the forums and I'm like, oh, what's under staff discussion? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I'd like to say welcome to all of our live studio audience and of course all of our listeners out there in the world. Appreciate you guys tuning in to join us tonight. I just want to say, hey, if you like what we're doing over here at NGNG and you like all the content we create, we've got a tip jar on the right side of the website. Show us some love and we'd greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you indeed. And hey, if you're doing a little shopping, maybe on Amazon, Newegg, or Tiger Direct, help support the show while shopping for cool stuff online by clicking on the Amazon Newegg or Tiger Direct buttons on our website. They're on the right side. Scroll down a little. It won't add anything to your charge, but it gives NGNG a little kickback. It's a great way to support everything we do if you don't want to or cannot donate directly. Also, as I've mentioned before, the new RSS feed is up. It's feeds.feedburner.com forward slash NGNG. If you have not unsubscribed to our old feed and you're not getting the podcast, please unsubscribe, resubscribe, and uh, all should be solved. And, of course, this week's Catalyst Game Lab sponsorship giveaway is Week 15, and it's Hexpack, the Mountain, and Canyon. we got a bunch of these. Anyways, all you got to do is head over, uh, register on our forums, and enter. This week, it's uh, who's your favorite Battletech author? Like, uh, I know there's always, like, a back and forth. Some people are like, Stackpole, and then some are like, Keith, and then some are like... Anyways, I want to hear your guys' Garther alum. Ah. More Master <laughs> Bills. Thank you. So, anyways, let us know. And it's sort of funny because speaking of uh, William H. Keith, we actually talked to him. Darren got in contact with him via email a long, long time ago. And it was so funny hearing his response. He was like, man, I don't even really remember what I wrote. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. It's been years. Yeah. And like he also, he was kind of like, I think there was some bad blood between maybe him and Fossa or something like that. Like he was surprised that anybody would even want to be talking to him about Battletech. It was interesting talking to him. A, a humble guy, though, and uh, I definitely enjoyed his books. Yeah, there was a falling out. I think it was between him and Stackpole, but, uh, you know, it is so funny. I mean, we've got so much from Stackpole. I mean, Stackpoling, what's not to like? Anyways, guys, let's go to roll into 
community questions. And I'd like, of course, to say welcome to Garth, who's always here. And, uh, yeah, some of these questions are definitely going to be directed at you. And uh, here we go. First question up, we've got Tin Man, and he says, More of a suggestion than a question for Garth. I was thinking about Hiromex ideas. How about Kerensky's Orion or General De Chevalier's Atlas? I like both of those ideas. I think Kerensky's Orion would sell more than all other mechs combined. I think we'd somehow sell more of them than there are players or something. They'd go crazy. Yeah. How about, um, as far as an Atlas, Big Ben? I think that would be really cool. Yeah. Whenever we've mentioned the concept of doing a Hero Atlas, I'm like, Big Ben has to be done. Has to. Well, and I know a lot of people are like, well, you guys got the founders like Hunchback and Catapult and stuff, but, you know, you guys don't have any, you know, heroes for those. So I can definitely understand wanting a, uh, an Atlas, but definitely uh, Alexander Kerensky's Orion. Hmm. Yeah, a, a hero catapult would be cool too. And Hunchback. Yep, yep. The next question is from Bad Karma 7. He says, This is something that has always bugged me when we begin a game. We cannot see what the enemy drop deck is, which is, you know, which mechs they brought into the match. That makes perfect sense. Where it fell, falls down, in his opinion, though, is that we engage the enemy, gather target da- data, etc and the roster does not populate the mech information for the enemy team, why do we not do this? Ooh, that's a good idea. So, like, as you see them, it shows on their... I like that. I am going to tell Paul that right now. There is precedence for this. That's uh, how they do it, In, for example, in uh, World of Tanks, Clan Wars, and so and forth. No, no, that's not. You know exactly what they have at the beginning. No, Clan Wars. Oh, okay. Well, I'm just saying random uh, matches, though. You know exactly what the enemy team has. Now, I do like this idea. Well, weight class-wise. Well, no, it actually tells you the tank. Like, I like Bad Karma's suggestion because it's basically saying, hey, when you spot someone and you gather their information, it's posted up. But you don't know at the very beginning. But that's why I was saying there's precedence. That's exactly how it works in Clan Wars and World of Tanks. Everybody starts off, it's blank, you don't have any idea. As soon as anyone spots target, you get that info. Gotcha. That's a good, uh, good question. Good suggestion there. I'm, I'm definitely for that. Uh, Darwood's dog is saying, uh, is there any talk of adding weapon macros for all the players as part of the UI? And I think where this comes from is the fact that, you know, PGI stated macros are okay, they're acceptable, you know, a ton of game use them. But if you don't know how to utilize them, it sort of creates issues. So is there any part of, to where you guys are going to in- integrate that? I guess we could. I'm not sure. I honestly don't know if that's been planned out yet. We'd have to I- ask Paul. I did see a good macro tutorial somewhere. I'm trying to remember where I saw that. Yeah, I mean, the, the problem it, with the macros right now is it's not an even playing field. Now, of course, anybody can do the research and figure out how to do macros. But after years and years of gaming and telling myself that one day I would, I still have no, not. I'm lazy. That's that's why. That's Let's yep. just be real here. No, actually, um, I had a, uh, a Jaegermac roll, I think it was last week. He had a, right after the, the patch, uh, the UAC-5s, maybe it was earlier, whenever it was, and he had three UAC-5s, and he was macroing because, I mean, it was just boom, 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 boom. And, you know, obviously if he was chain fire, it would, it would you know, rat-a-tat, you know, a lot more. It wouldn't be uh, constant. So, I don't know. It's just one of those things where, uh, you know, I've never used them. I understand that they can be definitely useful, but I would have no problem with them being integrated. Uh, but then if that's the whole point, like, I don't know, uh, like if the whole point is to time your weapon so you don't jam or something like that and if everyone uses it and you know what i'm saying like why even why not just have it just a part of the weapon system does that make sense yep the next question is from verger viger verger 
Verger. A recent post on ATD45 on the MWO, then that's uh, Acid Devs 45, on the MWO forum says the Gauss rifle is getting a timed firing rate change, charge time, and a minimum range. Why the Gauss charge time and not the PPC? Should the Gauss have a minimum range? Ooh, can I? Garth? Hold on, hold on. No, I'll let uh, Phil go first. I'm going to go first. First off, when I read this, the first thing, and we were asked this like yesterday during the. I, I thought PPC. Like, I mean, in the novels, you read about, like, you know, the capacitor and the, you know, mechwars would see, like, the, you know, PPC, like, charging up and blah, blah, Like, to me, I was like, oh, my God, like, this is, like, I would have no problem. And I and I have no problem with it being on the Goss or PPC. Uh, like, I think a, a skill-based system is fine for me. But when I first read this, I was thinking PPC. And considering more mechs can hold more PPCs than they can Goss, it almost makes sense to have a little bit more of a skill-based system for PPCs or at least the weapon that can be used more. But that being said, I like it. Garth, do you have any uh, comment um, on that? Well, it's, you know, as not the designer, it's not my, you know, <laughs> place to put the the um, changes in there. I, I like the idea of it on the PPC, but I also like it on the Gauss, so I don't know. At this point, I'd rather use it a bunch and see how it feels and get feedback based on that. I think... In the end, if I had to guess why this is done, it would be that with the Gauss, you have the highest damage of a ranged weapon, basically. Like, AC-20 does more damage, but it's shorter ranged. And it has zero heat. So that gets really scary, especially when you look at clan stuff, or if at some point we add some god-awful assault that has, you know, four Gauss or something like that. It would become an issue at that point so I could see it sort of looking forward where you're like oh later this might be a big pain in the ass and then on the flip side of that with PBCs you can do things with heat to limit the amount of fire time they have so I, I kind of I see where it's going I do my first thought as well was why isn't this on the PBC but then I thought about it and I'm like yeah I can kind of see why actually because the drawbacks to the Gauss are a lot more intricate and, and sort of fiddly so it made sense after a while but yeah first thing I was like what yeah, I could definitely see it from the perspective of what happens when we introduce, you know, assault packs and they can carry three or four. That, so that definitely makes sense. And I know since the beginning of uh, time, as far as MWO is concerned, Goss rifles, there's really been no drawbacks up until the, you know, um, chance to explode, you know, and that was implemented, the critical hit. I mean, that's why we used to see the Goss, uh, uh, Goss cats. And then it was like, what? the Goss uh, Jaegers and stuff like that. And uh, there is no, you know, minimum range as well. What do you guys feel about minimum range? Uh, That being said, like, I mean, it's supposed to be, you know, basically a giant rail gun per se. I mean, the round's going to be traveling fast. Should there be a minimum range to Goss? I mean, just in general, how do you guys feel about that? Well, that's the interesting thing. I mean, if you think about it as a projectile, I mean, if anything, it should be more potent right out of the barrel before it's being slowed down by friction and all that sort of thing. So in that sense, minimum range doesn't really make sense. I I get that it was in the tabletop, but it was always one of those things that I looked at a bit strange. And obviously it's there for balance, but it doesn't really make any sense. I mean, minimum range on on LRMs, you can kind of get that because there's a targeting thing, and when you launch them, they're not armed yet. That kind of makes sense lore-wise. But for the gauze rifle, I mean, it's a, a big slug. When you're firing out, it's as good as it's ever going to be, and it's only going to get worse the further it goes. 
Well, and keep in mind that just because it's in the tabletop doesn't mean it was intended to be that way. Remember, we did learn that the ERPC PPC minimum range was an accident. That they just basically said, eh, what the fuck, we'll just go with it. So, Well, and look at it in the context of gameplay. You know, is it is it abused? You know, uh, is it could it be balanced, uh, you know, based on adding, you know, stipulations and stuff? Like, imagine ERPPCs right now. I honestly would have no problem with them saying, you know what? We're going to give them the same minimum range as PPCs. I mean, what's the whole point of an ER? It's extended range. Um, I would even, you know not be against uh, seeing it playtested, uh, you know. I mean, that's... that's I also want to just throw in now, I'm looking at the comments here. One of you, at least, has guessed something that will be in the patch. In addition <laughs> to what this is. I'm just nice. saying, you, you see what we're doing here. It's not just the charge thing. Hey, Wingbreaker has a correction. Wingbreaker, go ahead and unmute and tell me what I said incorrectly. Oh, okay. Uh, the, uh, the the minimum range for autocannons and the Gauls rifle were actually a two-hit modifier rather than a, a hard lock like the PPC was, so it doesn't do any damage, or the LRMs don't do any damage. This was just a, it's harder to hit. Yeah, and okay. th- that makes sense. I can definitely see that. Uh, just for the fact that your target's closer to you, which means, you know, aiming. It's like uh, trying to hit a spider up close, you know, with... Well, but isn't it chat... kind of to imply that you're shooting something and it's difficult, or like does a gun malfunction at close range to give you a well, minus? Well, here's the a hit? question. Phil might know this. Dark Horse BW in the chat is saying in the novels it was always quote target is too close for Gauss unquote. What mm, did that no. occur in the novels? I don't remember that. No, I don't remember that. I Maybe a novel I haven't read. And remember, you know, we, we are talking about a few different things. We're talking about a novel translation, right? And the reality is MWO is a game, so they have to come up with rules. I mean, any type of game, you got to have the rules there. So I'm okay with, uh, I mean, get back on topic, the, the charge up. I'm okay with any weapon system, like, having a layer of skill to it, and especially weapon systems that are relatively easy uh, to use. And you can see where something like this, obviously the explanation was, you know, you hold down the trigger, it charges, and then you have a time frame that you have to fire and stuff like that. And you can see where I don't think sniping would be um, as bad, or I shouldn't say sniping, long-range combat, but you'll have to make tactical decisions, and there will be a thought process of, like, when should I engage this now? You know, he mentioned uh, there was mention of like um, how many seconds or whatever. What what the time frame? Obviously, that'll change as as they come out and implement this, and they'll test it and see you know what fits. But um, I think what they were saying is the fact of the matter is if you have targets that are up close, uh, they will be harder to hit. It's not impossible. It's just going to be harder to hit at really close ranges compared to long range, and uh, that's cool. One thing I'm curious about with the Gauss is if they implement this, which is basically a nerf is if they'll go back and take away the nerf of making the Gauss rifle more fragile. Yeah, well, they did mention that in, in, the, in the chat. They basically said increasing um, its health. So, um, And, you know, that's another topic we'll be talking about in a little bit, uh, internal health and criticals and stuff like that. But uh, good question across the board. I, I think it's one of those things where I can understand PPCs being based on heat, you know, and balancing around that fire rate, uh, speed of the projectile, obviously distance is sort of uh, one of those things they probably won't touch, but damage as well, splash damage and all that, those are factors that can change, where the Gauss rifle, it's always been sort of heat neutral, I mean, that's just the reality of it. Alright, next question, we have Risco (laughs) Vinshin, I totally probably... I think that works. Yeah, that works. He says, is community warfare any closer to being a reality than it was last year we keep hearing month after month that we'll be getting more information that month 
and, and it never comes. Uh, Garth, do you want to comment? Information will be given at the uh, launch event. That's when we're planning to do it. So there you go. You have to wait till then. Get mad at uh, me in chat. I think Brian pretty much said that in his uh, post yesterday, right? Yeah, and then, you know, I, it, this sucks from a fan standpoint, but from a marketing standpoint, right, they, they're going to save some, some Easter eggs for the launch event. I mean, let's just be real. It's a, it, I mean, it's a pure marketing ploy. I mean, it, and that's, it's one of those things, like, that's normal. It doesn't matter what, like, industry, you know, if you have a launch event for something, you're going to have, you know, uh, Easter eggs in there. So, so hopefully, Risco, that'll answer your question, and that is uh, September 26th. In uh, San Francisco, California. I'm looking yep. forward to that. I get to see the beard. The next question is from Shadow Darter. He says, when is the expected release date for the Flea variants? Garth, do you have anything you can give us on the Flea? No. Yeah, at least you didn't say you're going to tell us at the release party. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I'll tell you other stuff at the release party. All right. Well, okay, so let's speculate here just a bit. So the flea was introduced as far as concept art a long time ago. Um, since then, we've also had another 20-tonner, the uh, Locust, coming out. Um, and obviously, that will be out very soon. I mean, October, at least for those that got the, the Project Phoenix, will be getting that. So that being said, you already see with the timetables of release for the Project Phoenix, if you did not get the Phoenix packages and it you know, pushes out there, plus the two new additional ones we'll talk about a little bit. Do you guys uh, foresee, I mean, do you think the flea's been replaced? I mean, what do you guys, what's the speculation out there, Bryn? I actually have no idea. Um, I do know that I believe if all things are equal enough, uh, there's still a unknown light mech up in the air. So that, because we had the quick draw and then I believe the assault mech for that pair was um, the Victor and then we had the Kentaro so now there's a light mech that's still MIA to make it an even number of all mech weights. Was the flea pulled because of mask and because of the speed issues and so that won't be the issue with the Locust or what? Yeah well the the Locust standard variants and the Project Phoenix don't have mask so that could be very well a reason Basically, why. Basically yes. You know, okay. There's an answer why it's not in but I guess the question is when will it be in and that being said we've seen and I think we're going to talk about you know obviously they've mentioned the speed um, last time I read basically the, the speed uh, cap would be removed only if they could uh, control the network uh, issues with it and unfortunately that may negate some designs in the future I mean there are some clan designs the fire moth that can push 200 you know plus kph and stuff like that you know, we may or may not see those do. But that being said, um, they they are well aware of it. And for those that don't know, basically, um, they've had to pretty much rewrite the entire network code because, um, uh, especially with um, CryEngine three, well, CryEngine in general, they have a uh, client side hit detection and all that and network and stuff. So you can imagine going from a client to a server. So, good question. I mean, I don't know. Like, if I was to choose, like, personally, Locust or the Flea to see, I'd pick the Locust. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's just me. The Flea, it was, like, one of those things that was, what, introduced in MechWarrior 4 and MechCommander. All right. Uh, next question we have is Crusader, and he says, Any plans to open all pattern camo colors to be bought by Seabills? Not that I know of, no. And we've actually asked this in the past, and pretty much we got the, hey, it's marketing. This is, you know, just part of the whole free-to-play you pay for cosmetics and and you don't oh, need them. i got a follow-up question gareth is there still 
maybe uh, using faction points for camos and paints that way? Maybe? I'm not sure. You'd have to ask Paul or, I guess, Brian. Okay. The next question is from Nikolai Nicoli, whatever it is. It's uh, something along those lines. How long before collisions and knockdowns are back? And why is this not a priority? Garth, any news on collisions and knockdowns? Uh, I think mostly it's not a priority because it kicks light mechs in the balls and it sucks for them. And they're not exactly overpowered right now. So it's also complicated to put into place and have not. Remember before we had hit a guy down, he'd teleport and all that crap. It's a lot of work for something that will essentially be pretty awful for lights. But I think well, once we can get around that part <laughs> and then add it in, yeah, it's just not as high a priority. Right? But is it even, like, okay, the way you're explaining that, now, of course, you're a, uh, a light slash uh, wannabe light pilot uh, as far as the, the, the cicada. Biased. He's biased. Yeah, you are biased. Now, is it something that you guys are going to take off the table? Is that even, I mean, is it even a possibility that you're not going to bring it back in? I don't I don't think it's ever been decided we just wouldn't. I just think it's not a high priority issue because of the amount of work involved. And frankly, like, I, I understand it's cool to be able as an atlas to knock things down and, you know, kick them around and whatnot. But it's not as cool as other stuff we could do, so it's just not as high priority. Cool. I am okay with uh, lights having to have the fear of God put in them in my boot up their ass. But that's just me. Cause I do remember playing, uh, you know, in close bait and collisions were in, and it did change how you ran around. I mean, it, and right now, uh, lights and especially spiders can literally run around. They're the most agile things in the world can jump, run, twist, blah, blah, blah. And they can run into things and obviously collisions into buildings and collisions into another moving object. Totally get it. But for me, I want collisions back in. And, uh, you know, I do, I did, you know, I do remember there were being uh, some, you know, major issues. Obviously, when the mech fell down, it would do this little warp like 10 meters behind itself and then warp back to a place. And then, but what you learned is you just don't shoot it until it did its warpy thing. But <laughs> I'm all for it. And I wonder, I wonder if there's any dedicated light pilots that want it back in or if all dedicated light pilots are like, fuck mm -hmm. no. You knew you watched good, really good light pilots. You knew who was a really because you watch a pub game with more than four lights in one place, and you tell me that we you think we should put collisions. I'm just saying, <laughs> that was would awesome. look so was like, ridiculous. It'd be like, oh man, all the light pilots are crashing into each other. I'm, I'm not. See, I'm not worried about just lights though. I'm, it was across the board. I mean, if you're, I think a lot of people right now is it's not just the collision as far as knocking people down. I think what they're talking about is to the whole issue with collisions like. When you run into another mech, you do this like weird warp thing. Um, you warp through each other. You can walk through each other. And uh, I think a lot of people just want that to where it doesn't occur or it doesn't happen. Well, I mean, ideally you wouldn't have a graphics or physics engine bug with it. But I, I think it's an important part for immersion and gameplay to have... Just like if you're running into a building, you don't run through the building. If you're running into another mech, you shouldn't run through the other mech. You should hit it or stop or something like they should be things that you have to walk around and that would be an important piloting skill differential between pilots that can do that in lights or whatever and can't and I would even, assault pilots that can charge people successfully it's, it's I, would, a thing. I would even say okay knock down as far as mechs falling down uh, maybe, maybe too much I, I can understand that uh, you know to an extent I can I can suck that up 
But I would say, <laughs> I think, uh, Garth, um, even meeting in the middle and saying something like, when any mech runs into another mech, it stops them both. Like, you know, if yes, I like that one. That one I and, do like. And that's like to me, if, if from a technical perspective, if, that, if that's easier or maybe that's a it's a meet in the middle or something. But as far as even I can understand lights running around, you know, it takes a more skilled player to be in them, especially if collision knockdowns in. I totally understand. But I don't think that's something you don't want to just wipe off the table. I think you, you definitely want to make it so like like, out, you know, what Greg just said is it's we have all these things of reality, right? Like, I mean, we have water that cools. You have cold temperatures that cool your mech you have uh lava that warms up your mech and actually you know darren proved to me yesterday during twitch and he killed himself in his atlas in the lava he sat there it fucked uh, me up it it did so it's just one of those things it's definitely not immersion breaking like oh my god it's horrible but uh from us uh that have been in closed beta we remember too is it did put a checks and balances on not just light max mediums as well especially at the time because <laughs> you had your uh, lunchbacks that could run 130 kph <laughs> and other mechs like the dragon bowling and you know and so it was one of those things where there were issues but it definitely made the game a little bit more tactical as far as you were aware of what you were about to run into and on top of that you were like oh shit it's about okay we just fell, basically fell down so I liked it, so I can see both sides. But uh, I can definitely see you don't want to punish just light mechs if they were the ones, their main culprits. But that being said, if it makes better pilots too. I don't know. Good question. Cross the board. Collisions. I want my Dragon Bowling League. You shut up. God, me and, me and Shore Painter experienced one of them, and it was the most frustrating. We killed him eventually, but we were both crit afterwards. It was ridiculous. All right, Marcus Tanner says, what is the status of integrated voice over IP? <laughs> Don't mind my predator. Yeah, blaming it on the dog. <laughs> what was that? He's always blaming it on the dog. You know. I'm actually not sure what the status of that is. I'll see what I can find out, but I, I actually don't know. I know a lot of people, you know, as far as integrated voice over IP, like, um, I feel like a lot of people, the C3, you guys came out with C3, and then there was a post while um, that said, like, you know, we want to integrate, um, you know, the C3 inside the client. Obviously, we have UI 2.0. So I'm wondering is, um, you know, maybe ask Paul or something. Because I feel like it's one of those things if you guys can have a system like uh, Planetside 2. Planetside 2, there can be a lot of annoying things, uh, but you can also control. Like, you can just turn people off. You can only hear people, like, in your group and stuff like that. And I feel like that would be very beneficial for those that uh, maybe don't use TeamSpeak 3. Um, or... But because of our experience with Planet Side Two, I yes. only want it integrated if you can turn people off. Because yes, if you I can't, do. oh shit! Oh, yeah. I don't. I don't want it. Yeah. The next question comes from Mellow Seven. When are they going to announce whose applications uh, to the launch event were accepted? Garth. Very, very, very soon. I promise. So that was three very as we speak. Okay. So I'm. I would expect something uh, very, very, very soon then. <laughs> Freaking parrot. All right. <laughs> Next question we have is from Victor Morrison. He says, why does the player have to pay four times SRM-6 ghost heat to fire? Uh, you know, basically, his whole question is, uh, when firing four SRM-6s, you get ghost heat. And if you fire, you know, three times SRM-2s plus one SRM-6, you have 12 missiles. But you can fire, you know, three SRM-6 with 18 missiles. But the first you get penalized, even though it's less missiles. And so um, he's like, how does that 
effect because the whole thing with heat was, and, and Paul cleared this up uh, on the last Ask the Devs and he says how does um, it's supposed to lower the alpha damage so uh, I guess this is more towards Garth the whole ghost heat when it comes to different sizes of weapons such as like the SRM2s um, or you know how, how do you justify the I guess because it's a lot rare, more rare to have that many SRM to, like, enough hard points to do that. I mean, that's pretty out there. Who who even has a mech that does that? I'm, I'm curious. Well, no. There's I guess it's an A1, with, right? Well, there's plenty of mechs. I mean, even an Awesome, uh, the Kentaro, um, that have four plus, uh, or four, you know, at least, minimum. You'd need more the, than four, wouldn't you? Well, Kentaro has five. You fire one you fire 12 missiles and you overheat like crazy, but yet another, you know, just because you have three SRM-6s and you can fire 18 missiles and you can fire and you don't have to. So I guess that's what they're referring to. Uh, and then he also uh, says the same situation applies to all launchers. So LRM-20s, 15s, and 10s. And he says, except for LRM-5s, for some odd reason, they're exempt. Again, I think it's because you'd have to use so many hard points to even do it. You can ask Paul, though. He's right in the chat here. Answer the hmm. question, Paul. <laughs> is that really yeah, Paul, Paul? We don't really know if that is Paul. Will the real Paul please stand up? Come on, Paul, uh, do it. Can we say that maybe that's something that will be looked into and we can perhaps get an answer from Paul sometime in the future, maybe? I mean, you're not going to be able to answer the question to his satisfaction, right, Garth? No, I won't. Or will you? No, I won't. Uh, now, I can definitely see where... You know, the, the ghost heat system could definitely be tweaked here and there. I mean, I don't know the technical, you know, behind the scenes coding and blah, blah, blah for it. But I could definitely understand, like, someone saying, well, I'm only firing 12 missiles and I get penalized. But yet I can go over here and fire 18 missiles and not be penalized. So should it be based off the number of uh, projectiles or, you know, in this case, you know, missile projectiles? Or should it be based off just the size of the launcher in general? And I guess that's how it's sort of implemented right now. It's about how many you have, and it doesn't really matter what size, you know, as far as missiles. So, Well, here's a question. If you can fit, like, nine SRM-2s instead of three SRM-6s, why are you doing that? Because isn't that way more tonnage, hard points, etc.? Well, we're not talking about nine. We're talking about like, uh, for instance, if you had four missile launchers, you could put four SRM twos or whatever. I mean, and you would be heat penalized for but it. But also, isn't it the way it works out now? If you take an LRM twenty or you do two LRM tens, the two LRM tens are going to weigh like a ton less, right? Yes. Which raises an even better balance question. So you, you're having a tonnage incentive, but you're paying it in heat, yep. basically. Oh, and a ammo is another thing to consider. Another thing to consider as well is how many, um, you know, hard points do you have? Uh, that's another thing. One thing as well is, like, we all know some mechs, the launchers, will only launch X amount of missiles. So, like, there will be a dual volley, um, which if uh, you've been watching, <laughs> like, a Dorian Seeker says, AMS is actually pretty damn effective. So you can imagine, you know, if you have two waves of missiles coming at you, your AMS is going to chew up a lot more missiles than if it was just one wave. So, and I think that's why you see it's like the volley to, you know, half volley, you know. So, you know, I definitely think that that should be looked in. I, I think in general, though, um, is something SRMs in general, the underlying question for me that comes out of this is SRM-2s, like, are we ever going to see them be effective on the battlefield? And I know we've talked about this before, but I feel like, uh, sort of like how, you know, Garth, I know the AC-2 is high DPS, right? High damage potential, but you also have to land your rounds on the same, you know, 
location to do all the damage whereas like ac20 is on the you know opposite side of that you know you do large amounts of volley damage and it's localized uh, to one area and i feel like srm2s could sort of be in srm6s and fours could sort of be in the same thing where srm2s possibly high fire you know um and then you know as it gradually goes to the right you've got your srm6s that are a little bit slower but it's a lot more volley damage imagine me posed like Mr. Burns with the, uh, you know, the fingers up saying excellent, and you'll have my reaction to that. <laughs> well, hey. you know, I, know, I know some people were asking, um, now that streaks do more damage, but it's random to where it hits, you know, and it's definitely, it spreads out the damage, while SRM2s, you don't really, I've actually never seen them on a mech except on the X5. Is that just a weapon system that will just ever, never really be used very often, or will it be brought in line? Yeah, I'm just going to make that face again. <laughs> I don't really think there's a way to, to bring it in line without you know, really screwing with the SRM mechanic in general. I don't like the idea of different size launchers of the same missile type having different behavior. I think that's very confusing for new players. But maybe it could be corrected with tonnage or ammunition use somehow. Um, so perhaps they weigh less or they're more ammo efficient than other SRM variants. But I, I wouldn't change anything in the missile flight time well, or missile trajectory you, you or anything to, like that. You have to make it unique. I mean, it's like it's basically looking at why would I ever take an SRM two? Why would I ever take an SRM four? Why would I ever take an SRM six? When you look across the board, everyone always takes SRM four or six. Mostly, it's the SRM six. So if it comes down to right, but why is that? Well, it's not, I think it's it, not just you have to look at that it's hap- not happening. You have to look at why. Is it because it's not like the damage to tonnage ratio is too poor? That could be a reason. Yeah, I think uh, damage could be it. I think uh, the rate of fire. Obviously, you could increase the damage, but then that uh, causes issues with SRM4. I think, it, like I said, if you did a Venn diagram, you know, and, and to your left you had SRM2s, and all the way to your right you had SRM6s. Same thing with like the ACs. You've got your sort of faster firing, high DPS potential, and then you have uh, to the right, which still has DPS if you did the math, but you have your high volley uh, amounts. But anyways, I think it's a good question and a valid to, to look into. Maybe we can uh, touch base with Paul and sort of see what's going on. And Garth, if you definitely inquire, I know a lot of people have asked about that as well. Speaking of which, it is time to say goodbye to Garth. Garth, thank you again for joining us. Thank you for answering what you can answer, and we hope you have a wonderful day, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. See you later. Bye, everyone. Bye. We'll Enjoy next patch. Bye. One of you was right, at least. <laughs> at least. Just one of you was right. Go look it Just up. We'll figure it out. Bye, guys. <laughs> All right, man. We'll see you tomorrow. All right, guys, we're going to be moving on to Mecro Online. No live questions. We've got plenty to cover, so we need to get through it. Or else this is going to be another, like, two-hour podcast. Anyways, here we go. Diving in here. We've got Ask the Devs 45 answers. Uh, a lot of information. We pretty much knew a lot of it. Uh, there was a few things of to note. If you didn't read it, make sure to do so. The Obviously, the one that popped out to me was the fact that the Goss change, and we already talked about that um, in the uh, questions, but that was probably, for me, the, the biggest thing out of it. Was there anything in uh, that popped out to you guys? Uh, Brennan, Darren? I liked the hypothetical maximum tonnages and stuff like that. I know it's all hypothetical and whatnot, but uh, I think those tonnages in general would actually work fairly well. 
Um, we've got uh, plenty of creative developer updates for this month. Um, we've got the Phoenix mechs in October, just a reminder. Um, we've got uh, HSR fixes in the near future, and then also weapon balance changes, and that was actually tweeted by Russ as well. He was actually saying uh, pretty big difference, apparently. So um, September 3rd, um, I, I think he said in loose possibly. quotes. Yeah, in loose quotes. <laughs> Um, and then obviously you guys heard Garth talk about it uh, in the past few days too. He was basically saying some big changes, which is always good because I know hit detection. I, I get really annoyed when you land a shot and nothing happens, especially to those pesky spiders. Yep. Um, let's see. We've got the economic changes that are coming down the pipeline. Um, obviously, you know, their explanation was, hey, you know, we're looking at the big picture down the road. People were making too much money. Um, but we're also going to be giving you guys more rewards for roles and, and performing roles on the battlefield. And now that being said, now that it's been out for a while, you know, Darren, do you still hold true? Are you still making a good amount? I mean, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on uh, the changes to C-Bills? I'm fine. I mean, I'm making money. I, uh, you know, I play, I don't know how many matches a day. Um, but basically, I, I mean, I don't notice a big difference. I'm always low on C-Bills. I was low on C-Bills pre-patch. But uh, I pretty much got it over $20 million and I've been able to stay over $20 million, uh, while still purchasing an engine here or there or whatever. Personally, I'm not having a big issue with it. I can understand some of the issues that are brought up and, um, you know, some people still having issues but I really just don't think it's as big of a deal as uh, it was made out to be. Brent? I have noticed a bit of a dip in my wallet as far as income goes. Like, I had a really great game uh, where I did over 1,200 points of damage and got 8 kills, and uh, I still only came out of there with just under 200,000. I don't run premium. I still have it all back. Yeah. Perspective. I think if I had premium, I think it would have been up and around like 300. But without it, it was like if I had that game pre-patch, I was probably going to make two fifty without premium, two sixty-five. Yeah, I run premium. I run some hero mechs, and I do an average of at least I don't know ten matches a day. So somebody who's not running premium doesn't have hero mechs, and maybe only runs a few matches a day is going to have a completely different experience than I am. So I understand that. Well, isn't that the whole point of premium though? Isn't it about convenience? Saying hey, you're you know paying to you know get a little bit more. Um, I mean, isn't that the whole point of premium counts? I would think so. Play? I mean, across the board. So mm-hmm. I think everyone can agree. I don't mind her again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. We've also got, uh, let's see, re- um, revival of the community warfare design at the launch event. Um, reveal. Sorry, not revival. Uh, one other thing. Uh, PGI owns the MechWare IP, not IGP. There's been a lot of misinformation out there. Um, I don't know. It's funny because people throw those things back and forth, left and right. And uh, so that was cleared up. PGI owns the MechWarrior IP, not IGP. So I was hoping to catch Gareth before he left about the community worker stuff. Send in a question. You know exactly where to send them. Yeah, you uh, can actually ask. Where, where, where do I send <laughs> these questions to if I want to get a question on the podcast? Yeah, this PGI, GP, MWIP thing just cracks me up. It, it, it blows me away how many people are, there are out there that know everything about everything but really well, know nothing. We, we asked, and Russ cleared it up on the show that one day. I mean, like, so it's funny how uh, just, I don't know, just uh, speculation of buzz, and you 
throw a fact, you know, or you throw a statement out there and then it's taken as fact and a lot of people grab on because they don't know, you know. So there's that. Brandon, um, Brandon, you have two options if you want to ask a question. One, you can do it the way you said. You can send in a question. Or you can simply use your MWO 8-ball that I sent you and use that. You know, it works just as well. Every time I shake it, it just keeps saying, pay George Ledoux money. <laughs> you got one of those, too? Well, I'm yeah. sold. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> He's been passing those out to everybody. All right, so today was a pretty cool day, in my opinion. Uh, we saw the introduction of the Saber Reinforcement Pack Woo! for Project Phoenix. The Wolverine and Griffin, um, obviously, we had spotted um, in the uh, in interview for Sarah's mech in the video when they were uh, talking to Brian and over the shoulder of the camera, and I saw it on you know uh, one of the screens with someone who was working on the Wolverine, the Flying Debris was working on the Wolverine, and I was like, oh, my God. And, of course, you know, it basically said there is many different iterations of it. Um, but it came out today, and it's $30. So you get both. And then, obviously, it's for both the Project Phoenix individuals and then the standard as well. So another so six, six mechs, right? So <laughs> so we, we're going to – oh, my God. 18 freaking mechs about to land in your doorstep if you get this. Now, for me, I, I'm just going to be real here. They're medium mechs. I'm all for it. I don't. I don't really. I'm sorry for everyone. You don't say. Sorry. Yeah, that's. I'm selfish. What can with I jump say? jets, no less. With yeah, and I'm. I'm selfish. I'll be. I'll be real. Uh, but anyways, so that came out today, and that's December seventeenth. Now that's for uh, the release dates, or is that for? So we that's we get them we on get, October. That is when we get the Wolverine and the Griffin. Seabell versions, correct? No, that's when we actually get them. Okay, so these we don't get them on October fifteenth, but the regular. That is the correct answer. Now, you know, from a marketing standpoint, this makes perfect sense. Though you know, this does bring up a question of, will the Saber Reinforcement Pack be sold after Project Phoenix ends because of the delayed delay? Like, will it stagnate a bit? Well, they basically because right said, now they have it set up where you have to buy Project Phoenix and then the Saber Reinforcement Pack will it stand on its own after as well? Uh, you're saying, well, one, we don't, they haven't stated an end date for the Project Phoenix. So what you're saying is, can someone just get just the Saber without having to worry about buying the, the original uh, Phoenix? That's what I'm wondering. Because I, I think they said, no. wasn't it, I think, October that Project Phoenix was supposed to end? No, no. They no? said they were going to okay. leave it up. Yeah, uh, there was no end date. They were thinking about it. Uh, we asked Russ that on the show um, about, you know, what was it, a month or so ago? Um, and all that stuff. But uh, now, from a marketing standpoint, it's funny because I've seen a few comments like, oh, money grab this, that. I mean, it's new mechs. Everyone's going to have them eventually. Uh, but from a marketing standpoint, it totally makes sense to come out with basically like a special hero mech. It's just like the hero mechs. And I mean, I would say to everyone out there that, you know, naysayers or, or maybe you don't have the money, you're going to get your seatbelt versions. So, you know, it's just, it's about basically convenience. Um, you know, people with the money can get them early. And uh, for everyone else, you, you just have to wait. I mean, so just look at it like this. Just look at it as, um, you know, the Project Phoenix and all those aren't uh, becoming available until whatever dates they get released. Don't look at them like, oh, well, October 15th they come out. You know, I don't know. It, that's just me. I, I see it in every single free-to-play game. And, uh, you know, I don't really understand, like, oh, it's a money grab. Uh, not really. They're adding content to the game. You can get the free, you know, C-Bill versions later on. Um, so... 
All right. Um, let's see. We've got uh, many Catrakel stalker stuff going on. We have the third-person update and apology by Rust that went down. That was uh, like last week. You know, with this being said, you know, I'm, I'm going to stick to my guns and, and uh, I'm going to say, you know, it's unfortunate that he has to come out and give an apology like this. And uh, and I feel that uh, third person view really isn't uh, just, oh, my God, the sky is falling. But I will say it is nice to see more communication. And he even talks about that, that there was some failure of communication. And it's good that they're recognizing that. And, you know, I will say this is like any company is not perfect, guys. I mean, like uh, it's so interesting that some people hold uh you know the developers at like such a high pedestal i mean they're learning and they're moving forward as well the thing that i take out of it is are they learning and you know are they fixing that and stuff like that but as far as the third person update and apology um you know it's unfortunately he has to go out there and say that and even then like people will still jump all over him so you know it's it's unfortunate that that type of community is out there all right, we have um, uh, Thomas. Uh, he's talking about the uh, internal uh, HP and armor values. And basically the gist of it is that he feels like the internal HP should be doubled. And now the reasoning for this is we already have armor, by the way, for those out there. And I'm okay with this. I'm, I'm going to jump out there. I know a lot of people, when I first went in back in closed beta, oh, my God, this guy's falling. But the reality is, like, mechs sometimes do die too quick. And what they're looking at is uh, basically the, the game should be more for having, like, you strip the armor or you and you can do damage, critical damage to internal stuff. And then you kill the, the you know, the internal area. And what's happening right now is, like, you don't really have a whole lot of crit hits. I mean, it's almost like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the Gauss rifle just explodes too quick or you know the whole section gets blown up too quick and so i'm okay with them doubling the the internal hp it's actually been on discussion for a while just for the fact that mechs do die really quick i'm i don't know you know like as far as like armor values i i think like it's not necessarily needed information i mean we've seen stuff like uh in the past obviously like armor bars remember in mech were what four and three and two like you could switch from the the mech diagram to your just individual bars and stuff so I'm okay with them upping it to make it, you know, makes a little bit more survivable across the board. I was going to say, it would be something I'd have to probably test first, so if they could put it on the test server or something like that so we could try it, um, that'd be wonderful. Because right now, I am i don't really have a say really here in the air. I mean, it would be fun probably to last longer in uh, in matches and stuff like that, but as it stands, I don't, I'm kind of up in the air still about it. I haven't really made up a mind. Well... Someone would just made an incorrect statement. They said they uh, doubled uh, armor and internal. No, they only doubled armor values. And even then, I'm not stuck on the armor values just being set then. If, if, if it needs to be adjusted, adjust it. Um, if internals need to be adjusted, because uh, me personally, and, I, and we've talked about this, I would love to see more internal, uh, you know, crit hits, you know, and, and have a point to weapons being like crit seekers and stuff like that. LBX and all those, like, have a chance to crit. Like, right now, internal structure just doesn't last very long and so multiple I, people are saying internals did get doubled not that i'm aware of if it did it did but still right now paul says paul that. is saying no yeah so there's yes that. he did no they didn't yes he did you know i'm bottom line i'm all for making mechs more durable i always die too quickly and usually so quick that there's not even time for any kind of critical hits or damage i don't understand why i get penalized for making poor combat decisions <laughs> you mean like i'm gonna run right at these guys and then round them yeah up. like 
I'm the first to admit, like, if I screw <laughs> up, I'll jump out there. I'm like, ah, oh, five fucked up. Damn it. And, you know, I'll get blasted and it is what it is. But, um, yeah, you know, it, it adds, obviously, like, XL engines and double heat sinks and stuff. Like, I remember playing um, Living Legends and we were in, you know, uh, it was on, like, the Timber Timberline map. And it was I was in my Shadowcat Sea. And the battle was going on so long that all of my double heat sinks were destroyed. And I had a PPC and a Goss. And I had to, like, choose which, like, okay, well, I can jump jet and hit my goss or, or i can wait you know a few more seconds and i can get up it, it was just one of those like sense of heat and the same thing goes in line of i, I feel like i want to hear more like you know not just not just oh uh, i just had an entire left horse have blown off in just one volley but like oh well you just lost you know this double heat sink and this piece of equipment bap or this weapon and blah 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 and it i don't know I, I think like definitely a test, uh, op- and that's what the public test server is there for too. And I feel like uh, I would love to see that being utilized a lot. Now I can also understand too; it's about to be launched. PGI is in full tilt, getting ready for you know that launch event, and obviously they just stated you know information on community warfare and stuff like that. So cool, um, totally get it. But I also feel like the public test server is an ex- huge tool to where they can collect information and uh, the one thing i will say is to all those uh, uh, everyone listening and to everyone listening to this podcast is like get involved with those you know um everybody was wanting uh, a public test server for so long and then it you know you got to participate to get that information um russ basically uh, tweeted we talked about this earlier uh fixes improvements to hit detection and hsr possibly in in loose quotations september 3rd and I know Paul's in the audience. He might be able to say uh, high probability, low probability, anything like that. We'll see if he types anything. Medium. 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 Nice. I'll take it. Hey, it's an answer. All right. Now there is a poll going on. Now he's uh, saying Brian high. Ekman. Now he's saying low. He's all over the place. <laughs> I don't buy it. Brad Ekman uh, made a poll, and it's uh, for 12v12. And the question is, in 12v12 matches, should it be first person only or, or mixed? And obviously, any states, the public queues will remain mixed of first-person and third-person modes, and a hardcore mode will be removed from the drop-down list. What are your guys' thoughts on this? And what are your thoughts now on, just in general, like community warfare, now that you've had time to play? 12v12, limited first-person view only? I think, yes. I think most people who get 12v12s together and stuff like that will be mainly, well, currently, as it is, most are, for example, like Aces, or Ghost Bear, or Jade Falcon, or any of them. It's usually organized groups who are trying to play some sort of competitive type thing. Now, that being said, I know there's probably lone wolves that get together and form a 12-man every now and then, but I think most people using the 12v12 feature will want, or usually probably will lock themselves in first-person view and not move around from that. On the second part of that, I uh, the second his act, the quote that I put in there, if that's what it's kind of hinting at, I'm a little bit, a little bit upset. Here's my personal feeling on all of them. I'm perfectly fine with pug battles being first and third. I have no issues with that. I don't think I've been watching it, and I just don't see it as being a huge deal at all. I think third person is completely different than all past iterations of the game. However, 12v12s and then following that, the community warfare battles, I would love to see those be exclusively first person, just because it's going to typically be the more competitive crowd and the ones that really care the most about that. 
Well, I will say this, as far as cues, you know, obviously if uh, all random battles are first and third person, it helps your cues. I mean, basically everyone's on one cue. And you're like, well, there's different game modes. No, they, you can uncheck from being, you know, put in those. It's all just one cue. Now, I think what uh, we're, we're really talking about is 12v12 is actually a separate cue entirely, right? You drop in 12v12 right now, you don't get put up against random, you know, separate groups and individuals so right now there's different cues there's two different cues you have your random and you have your 12v12 so i feel like if that's already in place and 12v12 is sort of like a testing you know grounds for community warfare if that's sort of the premise for it then i think pgi does need to make the stance and say okay well here's the deal you know community warfare will only be uh, first person and I think that needs to be stated because there are concerns out there. But I also think there's something to consider as well as you're going to have different game modes. You're different. You're, you're going to have different cues. And uh, the competitive scene just needs to know, well, do we need to work with this? You know, because there is some advantages. I mean, we, we all admit it. You switch to third person. You can peek over corner, around corners. You can peek over hills and stuff. There is that. Now, I still roll around mostly in first person when I'm in combat, but you know I've been utilizing third person camera. I like it. I like to see my mech run around and stuff like that. But I feel like uh, PGI could definitely come out and basically say, "Hey, community warfare, it's it's solid. We it will be first person now." But you just heard, saw Brian posting. He says, "Saying never is a is a double edged sword, right?" And and sort of sticking to not using the word never because obviously you know that's a it's a big. <laughs> Good James Bond movie. All right. Uh, we've got uh, Russ says the ability to gift a friend some MC bills or buy them the Phoenix package in the near future. Obviously, UI 2.0 um, that they're going to be able to start doing that. And we actually asked him about that a long time ago with the whole gifting items and basically was told UI 2.0. And uh, for those that don't know, again, UI 2.0 will literally be the biggest game change you know we've seen. Uh, since closed beta i mean uh not gameplay but game change i'm looking forward to it hopefully it launch it'll be there um let's see <laughs> paul's gonna go terrorize Russ. all right uh so that's pretty much it for you know uh you know mwo and i just want to say too on this note for everyone we we had a few questions go up in the chat and stuff hey guys you guys have to utilize the community questions on our ngng forums like go there post your comments uh you know and questions i mean if it's you know it's one of those things we'll ask it we'll talk about it you know but do so keep in mind you're going to be respectful and if you're you know if you're not then we're just not going to take you seriously and we're not going to you know use your question but if you can post in an adult manner and respectful we'll definitely uh talk about it and, and talk to you know garth or whoever and i will say this we will be having brian ekman on the show in the very near future i'm going to shoot possibly for next week there's not that's not confirmed but we're going to have brian on the show very very soon to be able to answer everything and uh, i'll let you guys know so you can post questions about that all right moving on to mechware tactics we actually had a get to know the devs uh there's a senior developer christian uh cartes cartes i don't I don't really know if it's just carts. You know what? We so misspelled the name last week that none of us could pronounce. I clicked on the link and realized that we totally misspelled it, and that's why we couldn't pronounce is it. That, is that just pointing uh, that out? Fail, fail, and fail. All right. Uh, so make sure to check out that. Obviously, um, we're we're trying to reach out and get some interviews and sit sit downs. Obviously, Max devs and beer. And uh, for those again that have been playing, um, you know, uh, they just had a well, they just had a public uh, test. 
uh, on their servers. Um, I don't know how well that went. Uh, if any of you guys were involved, if you could let us know um, how that, uh, you know, your experiences and stuff. Obviously, it's still under NDA, so just keep that in mind. Uh, don't go posting YouTube videos or pictures and getting yourself in trouble. But, I was actually uh, you know, wondering, during that uh, that open phase for anyone, still, would still video, under NDA. Still under NDA? Yeah, yeah. they even stay, which I don't really understand. If you're going to make something public... It, the rowdy is it's you like, got to get that hype train going. Well, you yeah, got to get the, them content. So I I understand NDAs, but if you make a public event, it's it's just sort of mute. And I mean, we get it. The game's still in development. There are still changes coming. Uh, but uh, you know, I I don't know. Mm. And of course, they they you know they may just be under red tape. They can't do anything about it until whenever. But. You know, I really enjoy it, and, and I've stated this a few times. As far as me and Darren, when we played uh, it last, and I hop in there and I play a match every once and now and then, I enjoy it. Um, obviously, if you look past the aesthetics for you hardcore uh, Battletech uh, junkies, myself included, you know, the, the difference of the, how the mechs look aesthetically, just gameplay-wise, I really enjoy it. Um, I definitely would love to see the game go broader, though, not just be just Lance versus Lance or... You know, one v one player. I'd love to be able to do something. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out and limb. I'd love to see it turn in sort of like Mega Mech, um, that big and that big scaled and those tools. That's just me though. No, it's not. It's me too. Oh. All right. Let's see. We've also got uh, September October street dates for BattleTech the board game. Um, Brandon, did you read into this? Yeah, it's basically just ris- uh, listing what's coming out on like, for example, September 11th and stuff like that, like, uh, and October 9th for the upcoming content. Like, for example, Alpha Strike, the street date is October 9th. So if you wanted uh, your Alpha Strike book, go get it on October 9th. God, look at that, uh, look at that artwork. I love mm-hmm. McPorn. I love it. It's so nice, McPorn. And it's funny, I have all of the these pictures and stuff. I've had them, like, saved. Who did, uh, who did the 3145 artwork? Um, I, I, there's been a lot of artists. We've had Shimmering Sword do it. Um, that cover uh, art, short there, painter. Uh, Rudy has done stuff. We've had other artists uh, do stuff as well. I think FD might might have done. FD did Alpha Strike. Uh, the yeah. thirty-one forty-five. I'm not sure. I want to see that picture bigger. By the book. I can. I can do that. By the book. I can. I can find it. I'll find it. But anyways, yeah, definitely check that out. Um. Uh, and uh, I know we'll be having you know the tabletop at NGNGCon, which, by the way, we'll have more information very, very soon. I know some of you guys uh, that'll be going to the you know launch party, uh, wondering you know wondering about uh, NGNGCon as well. So we'll have more information. So, of course, don't forget the Catalyst Game Lab sponsorship giveaway week fifteen, Hexpack Mountain and Canyon. Obviously, uh, you know this requires it's you know you actually owning the tabletop or maybe you just want to start collecting but anyways all you got to do is go over to our website uh, to the giveaway section register and just post up your favorite BattleTech uh, author and uh you go from there so uh i'm having massive deja vu yeah yeah and of course hey make sure to check us out on facebook uh, i post up a ton of uh, mech porn information news stores anything i can see i post it up there and uh of course it's just worth it just for itself for all the mech porn I, you know. Hey, does uh, just a quick question? Does Wingbreaker count as a favorite BattleTech author? No. Damn. Aww. I think he should. No. But uh, but uh. His his name is not sitting on my shelf over there. Sorry, Wingbreaker. Not yet. Not yet. 
Now, that being said, too, that's another topic of discussion of, um, you know, the IP rights, you know, the novels and stuff being in Topps' hands, and we haven't seen any novels, and we asked... Well, I mean, yeah. Battle Corp still puts out their anthology every now and then. Yeah, but I'm talking about novels. Like, you can actually purchase in your hands, you know, on the shelves. We haven't seen anything. And so I'm going to be reaching out and talking to Brent Evans and, um, you know, Randall Bills. And we will have Randall on the show again. We're just waiting for his schedule to sort of clear up. And, again, we have to, you know, his schedule has to line up with our schedule. Um, Because I know a lot of people were asking about that, different, uh, um, you know, guests and stuff like that on the podcast. The hardest thing to do is schedule around times, you know, so... Just keep that in mind. We we love having other guests on. It's just life's a bitch, you know. So that, that's what it is. And of course, hey, make sure to check out our No Guts No Galaxy TV channel on YouTube. I actually posted up recently the uh, Angry Joe and TV stream I got to do with them. And again, total freaking bucket list. I had a blast. Uh, it was uber fun. And I it, here's my thing with uh, them playing. My whole goal was for them to have fun, and I think we succeeded in them having fun. Hence, Angry Joe was not angry. Yeah, I mean, you know, they were laughing, they got some kills, we got killed, um, and, you know, you saw, like, TB, I've I've watched his footage, he actually did a lot better in a smaller mech. Maybe not necessarily the the commando, you know, Death was the great fit for him, but I felt like he actually did better as a player in in a faster mech, and I feel like maybe a medium would be really, really good for him. Maybe even the cicada and stuff like that. Where just you know, Joe, Joe just wants to blow shit up. You know, that's that's his prerogative. That's what he wants to do. And it was, anyways, it was really, really cool uh, across the board to to you know actually just meet and talk with those guys uh, before the show, and then uh, you know obviously during the the recording. And um, yeah, they they weren't necessarily a brand new player's experience, you know. But I will say this is you individuals out there in the audience and you guys listening out there, uh, you know, wherever you are, you also determine a new player's experience. You, I mean, as a player, as, as a friend, as a buddy, as a clanmate or whatever you are, you also determine someone's experience in this game. And so, you know, I just sort of challenge you to, you know, help people out, you know, uh, you know, spam your TeamSpeak 3 server information, get them on board, get them communicating, get them, you know, on the NGNG outreach server, get them involved over, you know, there's so many things, but really it comes down to, and Darren, perfect example, how I met you. I mean, you know, um, I picked you up on on the corner. I think I was screaming from my uh, mech cockpit, how do you start this goddamn thing? And yeah, (laughs) it went on from there. How I met Darren. Literally, we were playing the MechWarrior Living Legends and, you know, kept seeing his name and he's like, hey man, see, you got tags, you know, you, you, you know, we got him on TeamSpeak 3. And that's how I look at, like, the community, too, is it's like, new player experience not just falls just on the development team in the game, but it largely comes, and I, and I say this because my experience with, like, EVE and other games, it comes from the community and actual, like, units out there, you know, um, yeah, challenge you. Go recruiting a positive influence on some of these people's experiences because it literally may affect them for the rest of your lives. I mean, I've been playing Battletech MechWare now since I was 12 and definitely being a part of uh, units in MechWare 3 changed how I looked at uh, playing MechWare online. And of course, make sure to check us out at NGNG TV. Yesterday, uh, MP did his TeamSpeak Tuesdays. God, and they freaking, he streams for like seven hours, I swear, but they have a great time. And uh, it's always nice to uh, see those guys. And lately we've had uh, Foxy Shortbus has been streaming pretty early or late, depending on where you are in the world. But hey, make sure to head over there, hit a follow button if uh, you know you uh, 
you haven't been there before. What we try to do on NGNG TV is change the name of the channel so when they hit, uh, you know, start streaming, it'll send an email and let you know who's streaming. Um, so if you got a particular favorite and stuff, you can watch out for the emails for them. And of course, I just want to say thank you to everyone, our community, our staff members, I mean, for the support. Obviously, there's a ton of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And uh, I just want to say thank you again. You guys are awesome. And I look forward to meeting a lot of you guys uh, at the launch event uh, for those that get picked. Um, I will be there. And I, again, it's super cool for me just for the fact that I actually get to meet, uh, you know, Darren and Brandon. And then obviously a lot of the, the you know, PGI staff and IGP, but uh, mostly for you guys, which is really cool because... Um, I've already met a few of you guys in my area around here, and uh, it's just a, it's an awesome experience to go drink a beer. So thank you again. And I just want to say, hey, head over to our forums. you got plenty of avenues to be able to communicate uh, community questions, uh, the MWO section. And uh, yeah, by the way, Mead. Yes, there's even a section where you can post about Mead and whatever else you want to do. Anyways, guys, this was your local No Guts, No Galaxy MechWare podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. This is Phil. This is Darren. This is Brandon, also known as Catcher Kale. This is Greg. And this is George. Until next time, Mech Warriors. It'd be best if you avoid me, but I know you probably can't. You sense something is wrong with me, you can feel it on my skin, but there is more with it. Just a little off The truth is at one time I was But now I'm a robot Forever disconnected from you
I don't understand why I get penalized for making poor combat decisions. <laughs> I can suck that up.